Hi, and welcome to Season 3 of Emetophobia Help. I'm your host, Anna Christie, licensed therapist, author, and recovered emetophobic. Trigger warning for these podcasts will be words and sometimes a story, but I try to make sure they're not too gross. For you therapists who are listening, Dr. David Russ, child psychologist, and I have a new resource website for you at emetophobia.net, and there are self-help instructions there as well if you're looking for exposure resources. Um, people with emetophobia, I have a new Facebook group that I made called Emetophobia No Panic, which has very strict rules and is more about sharing success therapy information, and so on, more so than the other groups. If you're enjoying this podcast or you find it helpful, you can buy me a coffee for a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds. Just scroll down in the notes to see the link. I'm here today with Aster, who is from Orange County, California. Hi, Aster. Hello. How are you? So glad to be here. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad you're glad to be here. <laughs> That's always <laughs> nice. Um, let's start with your story. Tell us your emetophobia story. Sure. So I feel like I've been struggling with it for as long as I can remember. I feel like the first memory I had was like, um, I don't know how old I am, but it's my first memory was just like getting the stomach flu, throwing up all night really badly um and then after that i did get anxiety just from probably by the time i was around seven or eight so since then i've just been having on and off anxiety it's really just kind of like a wave like it comes in waves all throughout my life it got really good um in around 2014 was probably when i would feel the most recovered and then i think two years ago i got the stomach flu again uh, threw up all night which was not Fun. And after that, my anxiety has kind of come back pretty strongly after that. And that was in 2017, you said? Um, I or... think it was 2020. So just two, two years, years ago. ago. Two years yeah. ago. Yeah. So the when I was a kid and my mom and my sister still call it the stomach flu. It's actually norovirus. I know. <laughs> um, but um, just for our listeners who might not be familiar with stomach flu, it's not It's not a flu. I don't know how we all started calling it that. I know. Um, because like it's, not, bug, it's, I guess? it's not the flu. It's a. It's like the flu is influenza, which is respiratory, right? But anyway, you're not the only one. Like probably everyone in your neighborhood calls it that too. So... Yeah, and then so then it got the the emetophobia got worse again after that. How did yeah, you feel? Well, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was like, I'm think I'm slowly getting better mm -hmm. as of earlier this year, but I don't know how it happened. It just gets good and bad on its own. It seems like. Is that right? So you don't do anything. To I do want to start therapy. Um, I'm trying to figure out with my insurance how that's going to work. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, and a lot of people have to kind of deal with that as well. Um, and they have to either pay out of pocket for private therapy, which is super expensive, or, or they are, um, and sometimes insurance only covers like six sessions of psychotherapy. Someone told me that with their insurance. 
I was oh, like, wow. I don't know what mine covers. <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it's not so great. So, so in twenty four. Now, how how old are you? You look incredibly young. Oh, I'm twenty four. You look much younger than that. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I'm not wearing any makeup. Have a hat on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And we're not we're not recording video, but Aster has the most beautiful hair. Would would you call that pink or peach? I think so. Like a peach pink corally color. It's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Anyway. um, So I think that helps make you look a bit younger. Yeah, I I think so. The hat definitely makes me look younger. too. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to go for lilac opal blonde or something but the lilac didn't really show through Uh, i'm gonna have to take a second run at that (laughs) um what kinds of what kinds of things are you able to or maybe i should start start the other way what kinds of things are you not able to do that you'd really like to do because of emetophobia so i can do almost anything that I want right now is just it's not fun going through those things so for example I can go to work just fine but maybe like halfway through the day I'll start feeling anxious and nauseous and obviously the nausea is probably from the anxiety mm-hmm. but I'll be okay I can fly um I guess one of my main challenges is definitely flying I just started a new job a few months ago that'll require um, a bit more traveling than what I'm used to mm-hmm. so that's something I'm not crazy looking forward to but um i have flown this year in the past i flew a lot as a kid um flying with my family and my parents mm-hmm. um, but that's something that is probably the main struggle since i'm stuck there for so long and for some reason it's ingrained in my brain that i think i'm gonna get motion sick even right. though that's never happened before so very unlikely yeah. um, i can do things like that but when i'm there it's just not a fun experience i kind of have to force myself to do right, those things right i remember i remember that kind of stuff it's just like i would eat you know I, once i got eating and i would i would eat and i would go to restaurants and i would go out to the theater with people and the movies or whatever but i would also sit there the whole time freaking out instead of watching the movie you know, yeah but I, I would just not want to not not do things but it was incredibly difficult so flying, you're worried about motion sickness. Do you get, did you ever get motion sick, like in a car as a child? Um, I think just once or twice that did happen. Yeah. But, um, but not on a plane. Never on a plane. Um, my mom did, or still does get motion sickness on planes. So I think that might be where it comes from. But I she- think it's going to happen to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's this great, um, quote from Ken Goodman's book, The Emetophobia Manual, where he's talking about being sick from anxiety, but it's the same idea. He says, if you've never been sick from anxiety, if you've never thrown up because of anxiety, you never will. You know, so there's certain people who do, but they're not emetophobic people, first of all. And <laughs> um, they're, they're not. They're people that just get that nauseous, anxious feeling, and then they would rather throw up then that and then they feel better which emetophobics just don't do that we're you know we don't say oh i'll feel better you know so i'll just go throw (laughs) up um no so but i think the same thing applies if you've never been motion sick on a plane you're never going to be motion sick on a plane 
you know, it's a different motion anyway, like then um, seasickness is the most difficult motion, like the sea is because you're going up and down and you're rocking side to side as well. So your inner ear is just so messed up. But but planes, especially big planes, they just fly pretty steady. Even turbulence is more like a bumpy road, like you're on a gravel road or something with potholes and you're going 100 miles an hour down it. Like that's kind of what turbulence is like. It's, it's not that sort of rocking up and down, you know, it's, it's yeah. I think I don't know why your mom gets motion sick on a plane. Is there anything the plane does that makes her sick? Or um, honestly, I think she might have a metaphobia too. So I wonder if it's the anxiety of it because she never vomits from like when we're on the plane. It's always before or after. Oh, okay. Well, maybe she's just a- anxious about flying. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and she's one of those people. She probably doesn't have a metaphobia. <laughs> she probably. So, see, I say that because when I was younger, she would never be the one to take care of me. When I was sick, it was always my dad. Oh yeah. And did you ever ask your mom? Like, um, she doesn't like it, but she says she's not scared. Okay. But I don't know if she's lying or. If you think she might, she might still be lying when you're 24 years old? <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, I haven't asked her recently. This was before. Yeah, you should ask her now. Do, do yeah, they, do I probably you, will. And do your parents know about your phobia? Um, they do, but I don't want to say they don't really take it seriously, but my family's kind of in that culture where mental health isn't like very normalized for them yet. Is that right? Yeah. Are they are they immigrants or just yes, just they are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that it depends on where people immigrate from and even in many other places in the world they you know, they are big it's slower. It's slower to kind of come I'm sure if you're in Afghanistan, uh, you're not from there. But I mean, you know, it's like so backward now, the Taliban's in mm-hmm. control of it and whatever. I, I can't imagine the Taliban provides for much mental health, uh, you know, yeah, therapy sure. there. But there are other countries that are getting more and more progressive, India, China, Philippines, Russia, you know, like they're getting they're getting more. Uh, and I know that because I get um, I get comments and questions from therapists in those countries uh, about emetophobia, you know, occasionally, like I'd say over the last 12 years, I, I may have had um, one or two. Um, I did have someone from Egypt and someone from Israel. Israel's quite progressive, actually. And they contacted me. Um, but I probably only had one person from all those other countries that I've ever mentioned, but anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, good to know that they're, they're progressing on that front. It's coming slowly. It's coming slowly. Um, I, I think that it, I don't, I don't know why it's like I, t- I say often to my clients who feel ashamed of their um, emetophobia, that if they had something wrong with their pancreas or their gallbladder they wouldn't be ashamed that it's not functioning properly, like they have diabetes or gallstones or something like that. But when it's the brain, 
it it's almost like if it's malfunctioning, then you're automatically, I don't know, stupid or crazy <laughs> or something. You know, it's so such mm-hmm. a backward way of looking at it because the brain is just another organ in the body and it doesn't always, and there's so many different parts of it and systems where the parts connect. It's easy for something to go wrong. It really is Mm -hmm. easier for something to go wrong in your brain (laughs) than anywhere else for that matter. Um, But you know, the good news is we can, we can work on fixing these things. So, but have you ever had any therapy of any kind? Um, I have not actually. So what are your thoughts about it? You you must uh, be on the, are you on my Facebook group? Yes. Yeah. So what are your um, thoughts about what everybody says about it? I think it's definitely very helpful. I would want to get into it. I'm trying to get into it myself. It is kind of getting rid of that stigma that I've grown up with is a little hard, mm-hmm. but I kind of like don't want to tell people that I'm going to therapy or things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to tell people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it is a, it <laughs> is a private. It's a private matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to tell people that you've got something wrong with your liver, you know, and you're taking pills for it or whatever either. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. people do, or their heart, you know. There's so many people my age, especially on heart medication, cholesterol medication. You know, there's really it's not it's not that bad. So, yeah, you can keep it to yourself. I'm sure mm-hmm. that would be okay. Um, um, sorry, I've forgotten what I was going to, um, oh, yeah, in 2014, when you felt a lot better, you said, mm-hmm. most, mostly recovered. Do you have any thoughts about why that would be? What was going on in 2014? What was your life like? So I was a teenager, and then I took my first international trip to Taiwan, where I'm from, um, Basically, the flight there was terrible. I was so scared because it was, I think, a little over 12 or 13 hours. But when I got there, um, it was just a lot of fun. Like, I had fun for the first time and, like, God knows how long and not have to worry about everything that was going on. Um, I'm not sure what exactly clicked, but for some reason, just being there, having fun and not being worried kind of made me feel a lot better even after I came back. Wow. So if we could just put that in a can and sell it, huh? I know, right? <laughs> I can't even sell it to myself again right mm-hmm. now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having fun. I love that, though. You know, it, there's science behind that. There is. Um, as I was just saying a moment ago, there are all these systems in the brain, like different parts of the brain that connect in different ways with through ne- neurotransmitters and so on. And of course, one of them is for joy or pleasure, like having fun. Mm -hmm. And so if another part of your brain is highly activated, it will help the fear center, the amygdala to just calm down a bit. Um, Maybe not 100%, but it's it's helpful. So yeah, how do we how do we uh, how do we put that into practice? Do you have any ideas? I don't other know. other than going to, to Taiwan, <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like if I force myself to go out, it's really like a hit or miss. Like if I have fun, then I feel great. But if I don't, and I'm just anxious the whole time. It's mm. kind of a miss for me. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's something I can unpack um, when I do start therapy, though. Yeah, yeah. 
Some people, you know, they go through the exposure therapy that, that I do with them, and they might see a video of somebody and I ask, well, how do you feel when you're, what are your thoughts? Probably I would have said when you look at this video and they say something like, oh, I felt really sorry for that person. And so they were less anxious. Well, that's yet another part of the brain for compassion, love, nurturing, those kinds of feelings. And so if we can activate that, and a lot of people have children and they are scared of their own children when they're sick, you know. But if we can activate that and feel feel some compassion for people, then sometimes that helps as well with the with the anxiety. Yeah. Um and and you were talking about insurance um and and whether your insurance or what your insurance would cover. I I'm not, I'm from Canada, so I'm not all that familiar with the United States, but in Canada, our, everybody talks about we have free health care, but we don't have free mental health care. We don't have any mental health care, oh, I should say, unless you need a psychiatrist. So if you're referred to a psychiatrist, that's free. And probably your medication will get paid for as well. But if you need a psychologist or therapist, you have to buy what we call, um, now it slipped my mind, but it's extra insurance. You have to buy some extra, and, and extra insurance covers like chiropractors and acupuncture and glasses and hearing aids and therapy, right? Blah, blah, blah. But you can... There are some restrictions, and uh, some plans will cover more than others. So how do you find out, you know, in America, do you know much about it? Like, what, um, what do you have to So do? I'm insured through my job, so I think mm -hmm. I would have to look up what plan I'm on and figure out which, uh, which insurance company that is, call them, and then I think that's how I would find out. And then they would they tell you who you might be able to go see, or do you have to kind of go the other way and look up people and see if they're they take your insurance yeah so there's like a website that shows um like what therapists are in your network mm -hmm. and if they're not in the network i think they still some insurances cover maybe like a percentage and then mm -hmm. you just pay the rest but right i think it really yeah. depends on um the therapist and what they take Right. And how many sessions you're entitled to mm -hmm. as well, probably. Yeah, complicated. Com but I hope you do it. Um, I'm sure you've seen on the Facebook group that it's, it's exposure and response prevention is the kind of therapy that works for this. What are your thoughts and feelings about that? I'm in interested and intrigued about how it works just because I feel like I'm more scared of myself throwing up than other people around me. So mm -hmm. watching videos, I feel like isn't something that would help a lot. Um, I'm also scared of like therapists that haven't had experience in treating emetophobia. So I remember calling one of them, I reached out and asked um, what the process was. And they said, Oh, yeah, we treated it before. Um, our therapist will be there every step of the way with you. They'll even throw up with you. Oh, dear. To, for exposure. And I was like, Oh, maybe this isn't for me. Y yeah, no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> 
I mean, it's real nice of them to offer to throw up. I know, right? Uh, but I don't know that I'd want to be afraid of my therapist. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's <laughs> kind of the way to go. Like, I, I understand what they're doing because, like, if you're mm -hmm. afraid of dogs, then they'll go with you to, like, a shelter and they'll stay mm -hmm. with you and they'll pet the dog, you know. So that's that's okay, but I don't think they need to throw up with you. And I don't think you, I need know. To, you don't need to throw up either. That's like being bitten by a dog, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. Well, if you're just bitten by a dog again, you won't be afraid, you know, like, that's crazy. So um, I know, I know, at least one person in in California. So if you stay on the line afterwards, I'll give you their name and you can look up when and see whether they take your insurance that that would be really good that um, would be thank you yeah yeah <laughs> and then ken goodman is also in california and he does telehealth everywhere in california um and he's an interesting guy have you have you seen any of the books that people have recommended um i have not but i have heard of his name before just never looked into it yeah, well, he's the one that wrote the Emetophobia Manual. I think he's a registered social worker, um, and he he can work anywhere in California. But, you know, he has a particular approach that not everyone, but then again, the, the lady I was going to refer you to also has a particular approach. So, you know, you do have <laughs> to sometimes ask them, okay, what are we going to do, and how is this going to work, and how does it work? If you are only afraid of yourself throwing up, that's a really good question. Because what I find is that even if people say they can watch videos, if I take a baseline number as to how anxious you are out of 10 and you say zero, one or something, and then you watch a video and I ask, does it move at all, change at all? And you say, yeah, maybe it goes up to two or three. So you, you would be a little bit anxious. And that's how you learn to just sit with that anxiety and allow it to be there without trying to shut it down or lower it or whatever. Um, and that teaches your amygdala in your brain. Like It's almost like the amygdala goes, well, sh she's not doing anything. She's just sitting there. So I guess it's not dangerous. You know, so that's the beginning of wisdom, so to speak. Um, and then what we would do with people, and some people can't even look at the word vomit without freaking out. So you're miles ahead of that, you know, which is good. <laughs> that's good. That'll save you some money um, or, or time. But um, yeah, some people start really, really simple. But once you get up to like videos and things like that, then then we go into some um, in vivo or real life things. Like what is it in real life that you do if you feel sick? What is it in real life that you avoid? What, you know, do you use any safety behaviors? Have you ever thought about safety behaviors? Do you do something? Yes, to... I feel like I definitely do. Oh, what, what do kinds them. of things do you do? Um, yeah. Like, um ginger chews i'll take those a lot like honestly every time before i go outside like go to work go to dinner with my friends i'll take one just for like peace of mind for some reason it really comforts me yeah um i also have a zofran prescription for my headaches so it's kind of scary that that's there and available like if i feel mm -hmm. nauseous i will want to take them mm -hmm. um i think that would be a safety behavior i always take like motion sickness medication before i have to go on a long drive or on a plane or even like to the amusement park if I'm going to go on any roller coasters. Right. Yeah. Like I'll try to I'll try to prevent anything from happening. Yeah. 
yeah. essentially. Well, that's, I mean, I don't, I was going to say that's good. It's not good. Um, <laughs> but, but it's good. Your therapist will have something to work with because you have to give those all up in order to get over the, uh, phobia. So if you start with like the easiest thing, and there's probably a bunch more stuff you don't even realize you're doing, but they will have a list and, and you can kind of make a hierarchy, like what's the easiest thing to give up? What's the most difficult? And if let's just say the easiest thing would be to give up the ginger all together. And then when you give it up, you give it up like forever, just throw it away and never buy anymore. <laughs> and then you're going to see how anxious you get without it. And that is the kind of anxiety that you want to learn to tolerate and let it be there. And it won't hurt you it won't make you sick. You can just continue to cope and your therapist will walk through that with you. So, you know, that that's how it'll probably go with you. Does that sound horribly terrible? No, I don't think so. I thought <laughs> yeah. that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, probably would be. Yeah. Well, it has been great to have you here, Aster. Um, Aster Thank with the you. pretty hair. And <laughs> I I think that it's it's kind of nice that you're one of the first people that's never had any therapy and just to kind of talk with you about what it's like for you. And that mm -hmm. that's really been a, a really good experience. So I think people will enjoy this podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.
Well, thank you so much for having me.